uh, I'm going to review today a little bit of a sicha in the uh, for the partial shlach. This is in volume eight, uh, the sicha one over there. Um, I'm just going to give over a few a few points from that sicha, especially Nancy's rush. Hopefully, I'll get a thought or two in before you have to leave. Um, so again, we have this story of the scholars, these the spies, the miragalim. They were going to Israel. And they came back with the um, with the bad report, and the Jewish people, like I guess, got worried and um, said they don't want to go up to Israel anymore. And because of that, God punished them later on. They had to spend forty years in the desert. Then, uh, okay, so this is the story of the parsha. But of the spies, how many spies were there? How many scattered? Twelve. Twelve. How come we got twelve? One from each tribe. Each tribe had one representative, and they went also to fair and square. Uh, so they went up to each tribe's one. Now, yeah. I just have a question. Sure. Is, are they called Meraglim anywhere in the Pasha? What do you, what do you, uh, is the word Meraglim found over there? Right. Yeah. It is? Because yeah. I didn't find it. You didn't find the word Meraglim? Um. So he calls them Shlachu Khan Noshim. No, I believe so. One second, let me just think for a second. Uh, it, um, it says Loshim by Yosuru, by Yeshuvu Metura Oretz. And then the Noshim that they went to Losur. Um, do you have an index? Um, I'll probably look it up in a minute. Okay, well, that's leave me for homework for that. That's we'll finish the class. Okay, sure. Because maybe it's not. Uh, maybe the actual words um, is not there. Maybe it's not there. Yeah, because I'm in the looking. In commentaries, it says everywhere. Yeah, but it could. Okay, okay well, could be. He calls them the Anoshim, the Anoshim that went to Losuris or they went to to search out, to scout out the land. doesn't say the you word. You know, it's interesting because we're just yeah. learning yeah. the Parsha's Mikates in school. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the, um, so, so we had the, the 12 representatives. They went to check the land. And, you know, this whole, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit later too, but it, it seems like Hashem said to uh, Moshe Rabbeinu that uh, you don't need uh, to uh, check. Uh, you don't need to send people to scout the land. If I promise them that the land is good, that the uh, land that flows milk and honey, you can trust me. You don't need to. Uh, you don't need to check it out. Um, but Hashem did allow Moshe Rabbeinu. He did allow Moshe Rabbeinu to go ahead. And if the Jews asked. Basically, as the Rebbe explains in other, in other places, the Rebbe explains that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted that they should also understand it logically how beautiful the land of Israel is. They shouldn't just go there because God says that you have to go there. It will be sort of something which you're not doing because you're excited about it, because you're enthusiastic. That would be Shem pushing you. Shem wants us to love Israel not only because he says Israel is good, it's because that we should appreciate Israel, that we should have a real a feeling. Hashem said, Moshe says to them, take the fruit, show us the beautiful land, see how great it is. 
it should have a desire so we don't have to just use our amuna to go there. We just realize that that's great. I mean, same thing is true today when you think about Eretz Yisrael. You know, it's not just because it's our homeland, which is good, but it's really beautiful. Anybody who's been there knows that Israel is really a beautiful place. We have to be able to appreciate that, that it's a beautiful place. But yet, the uh, spies made a mistake at the end because they totally relied now. Now they said, okay, you see, there is a balance. There has to be a basis, a foundation, a root. The basis, the foundation of the root always has to be the Amuna always has to be the trust in Hashem. You can't just approach it totally rationally because the rationale is not something which is pure and it's not 100% and it changes with, with time, with circumstances, with your emotional, with your, with your own feelings. You have your own personal, uh, I guess, agendas and therefore you will a lot of times come to different conclusions and you may not always come to the right conclusions. So the idea, the point of it is, it has to be grounded on Amuna. Yes, Hashem said we will. So now we know the facts. Now let us see how we will. Let, it's not a question whether we will or not. Of course we will. Hashem said we will, there is for sure. But we would like to see We'd like to appreciate. Hashem says it's a beautiful land. Of course, we believe Hashem that it's a beautiful land. But let us also feel for that land. But if we're going to start saying, no, forget about that basis. We're just going to rely on our rationale and intellect. Then we can stray away. Then we can sort of lose sight. And therefore, even though these men were great tzaddikim, as Rashi says in, in many uh, many places, it's brought down that these were great tzaddikim and, and righteous people, and yet they made this mistake, you know, they made this mistake because they followed it fully the rationale. But anyways, we were discussing about, over here, that there were 12 tribes. And, which by the way, that's how we learn out a minion. You know how do we know a minion? Ten. How do we know 10? But there was 12. But when uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was rebuking them, he said, how long this bad community, so this bad community, he was talking about the community of spies, or scouters, you would like the word scouters better, uh, so the community of scouters, he says, this bad community, so evidently he wasn't talking about Yoshua and Kalev, those two didn't go along, so he called them a community, uh, ten. So 10 makes a community. And then we further learn it out that for a minion, for something like that, we need a okay, you, need, you need a community. And uh, that's one of the sources, okay. which is another troublesome mm-hmm. uh, concept over here. Why would we learn a minion and anything from Kedusha from a bad community? Why don't we learn it from something yeah. positive? I mean, that would be, that's another. But here, from the Talmud and the Halakha, that's purely a technical proof. It's evidence that a community of, of uh, ten would be considered a community, because that's where it was. So the two exceptions to that, to the uh, spies, to the regular scouters, what were the two exceptions? Was Yehoshua and Kalev, right? And now what took place? So we read interesting in the, in the Parsha, we read that what happened? 
So, uh, and, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the difference between Yoshua and Kalev also. There was a difference between Yoshua and Kalev. But before we get to the difference between Yoshua and Kalev, uh, what, what took place over here? So it says first that Bayahas Kalev Esha'om El Moshe. That first Kalev had all the people quiet down. What does it mean he had them quiet down to Moshe? What does it mean he had them quiet down to Moshe? Rashi explains what he wants. He says, El Moshe to hear what he is going to say about Moshe. And Rashi actually says that Kolev misled them. He led the people to think that he was going to say bad about Moshe. Mm -hmm. He led the people and he started off and actually he's screaming. I guess, how did he get that? Is this the only thing that Moshe did for us? Or they called him the son of Amram. They didn't even want to call him. Is this the only bad thing that he did for us? Now, all the people thought, huh? He's going to say something something juicy against, <laughs> something negative against Moshe Rabbeinu. Because he's screaming and saying, is this only? And then he switches it around and he says, why did the people think that he was going to say? Because the people were uh, angry at Moshe because of the words of the scouters. Because the scouters says that Moshe Rabbeinu is sending them. So they were upset with Moshe Rabbeinu. So they were now ready to attack, to hear a negative. So now, since he was going to say something negative, everybody got quiet. Wanted to hear. No? What are you going to say about Moshe? So he said, but Moshe also, he split the sea uh, for us. And didn't Moshe Rabbeinu bring down the manna for us. And didn't Moshe Rabbeinu bring those slob birds when they wanted to meet for us? So, first he quieted them down. And then he told them some good things about Moshe Rabbeinu. And then finally, this is Kolev saying, he says, no, he says, Oloi Nala, we can go up. Up we will go. We can go up. Where are we going to go up? He says, even if it's to the skies, that Moshe Rabbeinu says, you got to go up to the skies. And he would say, go ahead, make ladders and go up to the skies. We will be successful in everything that he says. Nothing can stop Moshe Rabbeinu. Whatever Moshe Rabbeinu says, that's what they said. So the Rebbe has the Rebbe has some questions over here in the Rashi's and the whole the whole long uh, question, which I don't want to go through all of it now. But but the, 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 the very strong you know question why why is why is Kalev saying to them that we'll go up to the sky? Who was talking about? taking ladders to go up to the sky the Moshe Rabbeinu, we're going to go up to the sky we're going to make ladders, we'll be successful that wasn't the discussion over here, what was the discussion? the discussion is whether we can go up to Israel 
or can't go up to Israel. So Rashi should say, we're going to go up to Israel. All the now, why is Rashi saying, we're going to go up to the skies? Even if Moshe Rabbeinu says, make ladders and go up to the sky, we will go up. Why, 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 why have to come out to such a, to such a, in, uh, in commentary? Reminds me of the last yeah. of the, the angels going up. Yeah, 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 that was a different thing. Yeah, but that was a dream, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but here he says he's going to tell us to make ladders. Physical ladders will have to go up. Now, so this rabbi brings down a very interesting, just in general. When you know, when you have an argument with somebody, let's say you have an argument with your spouse. Maybe it happens sometimes, you know, that you have a, a disagreement, right? But sometimes the problem is that the other party, I'm not saying who, but the other party is so entrenched in their idea that they don't even listen. They don't even listen. They don't, and even, first of all, they don't listen at all. And even if they do listen, they don't really pay attention. They don't take the time to see, well... Maybe the other person is right. Maybe he has a, maybe he has a point. I mean, if you're if, if you're so entrenched in your opinion, you're voicing your view, or to back up what you said before that it's true, that you're not going to allow for anything else to change your mind, or for anything else to 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 bring in some other some other point of view. Uh, so this, the Rebbe says, uh, was what Kalev wanted to do. Kalev realized that uh, that it wasn't only the Maraglim that were uh, sort of inciting everybody and causing all this problem, uh, but the people went along with that, and the people said, no, they're not going to be able to go. They went along with the argument of the spies. So, therefore, what Kolev needed to do, first of all, he needed to quiet everybody down. Because as long as everybody was incensed in, in, in and everybody was angry and everybody was fired up and everybody, nobody was listening and nobody was paying attention. So, Mo, Kalev could not convince anybody. There was no rational, there's no argument that Kalev could use to try to uh, to argue that the people should listen to him and say that Moshe Rabbeinu is actually able to lead us to Eretz Yisrael. So that's why he starts off with Bayaz Kalev. That Kalev made them quiet. How did he get them to quiet? by thinking that they're going to speak bad, that Kolev thought he's going to say something bad about Moshe Rabbeinu. So now, everybody is listening. Now once they're listening, so then Moshe Rabbeinu can start, uh, Kolev can start challenging all their arguments. Okay, so what are the arguments of the Miraglim? If you think about it, we say, what were the Miraglims? What were the scholars? What were their arguments? What were their rationale? What they said? So they had basically they had three points that they were making in the puzzle. Number one, they said that 
The people there are very powerful people. They're strong people. They sit in very fortified cities. And also there are giants over there. Basically, there is a very strong nation over there. That, or nations that it's going to be very difficult to, to, to beat them. That's number one. Number, number two. Uh, they said that even before you get to Eretz Yisrael, the Miraglim said, on the road to Eretz Yisrael, so we got to go through the people that are on the way, the Chiti, Yevusi, Amoiri, and they're not going to even allow us to get to Eretz Yisrael. That's even before we come to Eretz Yisrael. And we'll see soon why is that a different argument. Uh, and number three, they specifically mentioned that there was Amolik over there. They mentioned Amolik is over there as well. Even though Amolik is not part of the seven nations that they were supposed to conquer, but yes, they said Amolik is there as well. So what happened uh, with these three arguments? What did they want to do? They wanted to bring the conclusion that we can't get up. Why? Why won't we go up? So first of all, they argued that because of the strength of the people, because of their fortified cities, and uh, it's going to be a very impossible job. That's argument number one. But that's not such a strong argument. Why? Because they know that Yidin are believers, sons of believers, and if Hashem said that they should go to Eretz Yisrael, He for sure will make miracles for them. And a strong nation can also be conquered. So that's, that was the first step. But they said, okay, but that's something they started off. But then they said another argument. And then they said they figured they're going to mention Amulek over there. What Amulek? Rashi already explained earlier that the Jewish people were sort of questioning Hashem at some point. Yes, Hashem im oyin. You know, when the Jewish people, when they wanted to, uh, different uh, different things from, from, from Hashem, and they were starting to doubt Hashem, Hashem says, you're doubting me? I will see. So then came Amalek. So basically, Amalek came because of the doubts of the Bnei Yisrael. Uh. So, what the uh, Miraglim was trying to say, even though Hashem can handle the great cities and the mighty people of Erez Canaan, but there might be a, a problem with us, because we are we are not maybe worthy of Hashem's great miracles because, as you see, what happened with Amalek, that Amalek's battle, what happened over there, uh, in which uh, there was some fallout, a little bit, but there was some fallout, was because of the doubts that we had. So basically they were saying, look, we're not really deservant of really seeing Hashem's miracles, perhaps, because we also doubted Hashem. Hashem told us, go to Israel, 
we say that we want spies, we're saying that we're, we're questioning Hashem, so do, maybe we're not going to be deserving of, of having a miracle. And that's another thing. So, first of all, they're strong. Well, Hashem, we can overcome that. And the second argument was, maybe we won't deserve the miracle because we're doubting Hashem, so we're not going to be able to make it there. But still, that wasn't yet such a strong argument because they realized that even though they are the one that chose to send spies, the, the scouters, but then Hashem agreed with it. So, if Hashem agrees with it, it means that Hashem is going to help them because otherwise, why would Hashem go along with the plan to send spies? He allowed Moshe Rabbeinu to go along with the plan. So, now, they said, uh, the third argument was that while conquering Eretz Yisrael, Hashem may show us great miracles, but the problems we may encounter was on the way to coming to Eretz Yisrael. Uh, because conquering Eretz Yisrael is the goal, but on the way to Eretz Yisrael, that's only a, an introduction to getting to Eretz Yisrael. That's the road that leads to Eretz Yisrael. Over there we may not experience all those miracles that we will experience with the land of Eretz Yisrael. So we may get into trouble on the way while in Eretz Yisrael itself will be, will be okay. To counter these three arguments, Kolev used the three examples, specifically these three examples that Moshe Rabbeinu did. And this way he sort of answered all these arguments. The argument that the Jewish people said that the people are, are so strong and we, how are we going to fight such a people? With, with He said to them, well, he split the sea for us. What happened over there by the sea? By the sea, there should have been a, a war over there because the Egyptians were behind them and the Jewish people were in a, uh, in, in a very tough situation with the water in front and the Egyptians in, in the back. Mm-hmm. And yet you saw that Hashem split this sea and they didn't have to fight. Hashem took care of the whole thing. Basically saying to them, you're worried about the big cities, you're worried about the mighty people, don't worry, you know, Hashem will take care of it. He can take care of something like that. Strong people, mighty people, nobody's too strong for Hashem, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And that's why they specifically didn't use the example of just going out of Egypt, because over there Hashem showed miracles, but there was no war there. But by the Yam there was a war, because the Egyptians came with all the chariots and were fighting them. And yet, the Jewish people were successful. Hashem split the sea, so without having to fire even one shot, they were uh, all saved. Now, the other argument they said is, well, you may not be worthy of it, because uh, we see by Amalek, you know, people were challenging Hashem. So he brought them another example. Here he brought them the example of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu fed them the slav, that was the birds, when they asked him for meat. Mm-hmm. Now Rashi already explained, they didn't need meat, they had plenty to eat. What did they need meat for? It was improper for them. But what Moshe Rabbeinu, what Kholib was saying to them, even when you ask for things inappropriately, even when you are sort of doing and behaving 
not properly, Hashem still gives them to you. So you asked for this love, Hashem gave it to you. Moshe Rabbeinu delivered that. So don't worry and don't say, oh, because we asked for the Meraglim, and maybe because we're not deservant, and that, no, no. Hashem is going to give you what you need, so you don't have to worry about it. Now, when they said to him that, uh, well, maybe Hashem is going to help us when we're going to conquer the land of, of Egypt, uh, Israel, but kind of land of Canaan, but on the road, uh, who says that the other people that are sitting on the, we can get through, there's a whole different struggle. So for that, he told them that Hashem gave the manna, because the manna was also given to the not in Eretz Yisrael, that was in the desert, that was on the route. So basically, as the way the Rebbe learns it, is the three arguments from the uh, Miraglim war, A, the strength of the people that lived in Canaan at the time. For that, the answer is that Hashem split the sea. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. The argument that they may not be deserving because they uh, asked for the spy. Hashem says, well, but you see, you asked for the slav, you weren't deserving, and Mm-hmm. He gave it to you, so don't worry about that. And the fact that you're saying, well, the problems might not be in the conquering of the land of Israel, but on the road, Hashem says, well, look at the manna. Kolov uh, says, Hashem gave you the manna, so there's nothing what to worry about. But why is... Uh, so basically, that's what he told him already. So what does he mean to say uh, when he says later on, Oli Nala, we already said all the arguments, that we are going to be successful. That's what he said. He did all these things for us. So, he says like this, that's why Rashi says that this Ole Nala is coming to give us a higher, a higher level. To say, all these things require miracles, but even if we have to do something which is even beyond a miracle, because it's like totally out of nature, totally, totally out of nature, to make ladders and climb to the sky, which is something impossible. But if Moshe says so, we will be successful. And here the Rebbe comes up with a, uh, a very interesting analysis in the difference between the two uh, scholars, Yoshua and Kolev, who both sided with uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, with Hashem, against all the spies, but there's a difference between the two of them. And the Rebbe points to three differences, and he says that they are actually connected to each other. What do we find? Uh, we find some advantages in both ways. First of all, what do we find about Yehoshua? How was Yehoshua saved from the plotting of the scholars. So that, right in the beginning of the Parsha, it says, Vayikra, that he called to Hosea bin Nun, Yehoshua. He added the word Yud, K, and that meant to say that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for him that he should, Hashem should protect you so that you don't fall for the plotting of the spies. So that's the Yoshua, but at the Kalev, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't pray for him. Mm-hmm. How did Kalev save himself? By Kalev, it says that he went and he prayed 
he went to the Marat HaMachpelah, he went to the caver of the forefathers from Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and, the, uh, and Sarah, Rivka, and Leah were buried in the Mars HaMachpelah. And, half of and he asked half of that they should not. Uh, half of Esau? Esau's head. Half of Esau. Yeah. Part of Esau. <laughs> yeah, and, no, but he wasn't one of the forefathers. Uh, okay. Okay. I added the mothers even. It says Kibriovis, but, you know, fathers and mothers together. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, therefore, he prayed for himself. So, Yoshua, Moshe remained prayed for. But Kolei prayed for himself, number one. Number two, uh, <clears throat> look at the results. First, Yeshua speaks up. What was the results after Yeshua speaks up and he tries to tell the people that we can go to Israel? What was the results? What was the reaction? So it says that the entire people, even the people that weren't so much into the arguments of Raglan, it says, They wanted to stone them all. So basically, Yeshua was ineffective with his mm-hmm. argument uh, against uh, the people. I mean, one can argue because uh, Kolev had to change the tactics after seeing that Yeshua, Yeshua didn't work. No, but, but the bottom line is, Yeshua didn't succeed mm-hmm. in, and on the, on the contrary, the people tried to, to stone him. But on the other hand, when it came to uh, Kolev, over there it says he got everybody to be quiet. He got quiet. Even the Miraglim himself, they were quiet. Yes, he used a trick because they thought he's going to speak bad about Moshe, but yet he accomplished something which Yeshua didn't accomplish. Uh, and the other third thing we see, the difference is, so when Yeshua and Kolev said together, they said to, in, in, in concert, they said, don't be afraid, because Hashem's shadow has been taken away from them. What does it mean? What is Hashem's shadow? That was referring to the kosher, the one kosher them who was to protect them, Eiv, who was a kosher, who was fine, he was to be, he lived in Mitzrayim. He was their, 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 their shade, you know, he was their shelter, he protected them. But they said he no longer is there, and therefore he will not protect them anymore. So that's what, so that's all what Yeshua said, but, end quote. But Kolev added all different arguments, and he said, even if we have to go to the sky, first of all, he contradicted all their arguments, and then he said further, even if we have to go to the sky, which is something which is inconceivable, if Moshe Rabbeinu says to do that, we're going to do that. So the Rebbe says the difference lies actually between something that you get from above or something that you work from within. Yoshua got it from above. Which means Moshe prayed for Yoshua. So he got a gift from Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem prayed for him. It wasn't, it didn't come from himself. When something comes from above, you didn't work at it. When you don't get somebody just hands you a handout or gives you a gift, something from above, it doesn't really 
penetrate you. It doesn't really absorb you. If you work hard for that money, if you invest and you and you struggle and you, you work hard, then it's yours. Or if it's an idea, somebody just teaches you something, easy comes, easy goes. You don't really absorb it. But if you sit and study it and you try to figure it out and you put an effort, then you actually own it. Then you become, it becomes you. So that's one. And the other thing is that when you work on yourself and you sort of uh, purify and, 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 and sort things out and you elevate yourself, you are actually doing what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us to become on a higher level. I mean, not uh, just a gift, but we should sort of refine ourselves. Hashem wants us to work. God sort of wants us to we should, it should be our accomplishments. Hashem doesn't want it just to give it to you. Hashem wants us to work hard for it so that we should feel accomplished. And therefore, Hashem in turn, when we do that, gives us an entire different perspective and a greater unlimited ability to, uh, to be successful. So, it is Kolev who was saved from the spies through his own prayer. That means he worked at it himself. He had the ability to quiet a mole down. In other words, he was able to impact even on the lowest of the opponents, even them, to have them also quiet down, to silence them as well. And because he was able to silence them, in such a level, which is bleak vul, which is without any limitation, he says we can even go up to the heavens. So what does this mean for us? Rabbi says a very powerful lesson from this. Very, very important lesson. The Rebbe speaks in his lesson specifically, the Rebbe looks like he speaks to shluchim, who go out, and they have work to do, and they find work is hard for them. So they have to go make Eretz Yisrael, give them an area, you give them a territory, and you say, hey, make this place Eretz Yisrael, make it a place where Hashem can live, work through the place. But don't get too excited. Every year is a shliach. Everybody has a responsibility of changing around the world, their environment, their home, their families, their communities, to contribute, to make Eretz Yisrael, to make holy place out of this place. Now, what happens is, you have to create an environment which you should be able to tell uh, that Hashem is always there, not only in Shabbos and Yontem, which is holy, all the time Hashem's presence is there. So, now you see some people are successful. They lead beautiful homes, they lead beautiful lives, they re-lead, you see, very successful in it. And so you see, if you really want, you could make Eretz Yisrael if you put yourself, because people are making all every single day. People are changing themselves around and changing the world, changing things around for the better. So people are successful. However, the Yetzirah comes and tells you, ah, he says, you have special difficulties. You know, 
your friend may be successful, somebody else may do it, but you have extra, you have challenges, more challenges than any of your friends have, so therefore it's not applicable to you. Uh, the reason that they were successful is because they don't have your special circumstances and your circumstances you're, 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 you're basically exempt. What is it? So the Yitzhah finds an argument in every situation. He'll find you the right argument to take you off track. So, to one person, the Yitzhah says, you know, the environment where you are, the place where you live, your street, your home, your place, that's a tough Ephes that people that live there in my area, in my community, those are tough, strong people. They're tough nuts to crack. I can't, I can't, these are not the other people that have easy, they have it easy, they can do it, I can't do it. The materialism and the insensitivity of the people that I deal with, they're so coarse that I, I can't affect them. They're just too low to be able to reach. That's one argument. Another person, he says, eh, you, your friend is a holy man, a holy person. He's a learned, he's righteous, he does good things. He has powers, she has the powers to be successful, to do. But you're a little nobody. You know, I'm, I'm a little nobody. Who could I, how can I expect for myself to make any changes, I'm not, I'm not able to make any changes because I've not reached any high level. So therefore, Yitzhar will tell you, so to one person he'll say, your work is too hard in your area. To the other person he'll say, you're unworthy. And to another person he will argue that even before you come, you have so many problems before you come to change the world, you have so many issues that you got to deal with beforehand, that even before you're coming to, 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 to try to make an influence, but you're going to get buried before you even start. On the way to Israel, you know, on the way you can't even get there. How are you going to even get there? So this is what the answer of Kolev says about Moshe Rabbeinu. He says he's, he split the sea, he brought down the manna, and he gave us this love. That even in a situation when the surrounding that you have is a very tough materialistic surrounding, uh, you can do it. Even if you are somebody who has failed many times and you are stained with some sins and other stuff that you have missed out, doesn't matter. You can still do it. Even if it's situations which can't lead you up even to 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 to, to before you to Israel, you can overcome them. Not only that, only knowledge, you can go up, you can even go to the sky, you can even reach mm-hmm. and do things which are totally irrational. You can succeed. So it's harder is smart. He knows how to work people. So he comes with a new 
kind of argument. He says, yes, Hashem has the ability to do everything. Yes, that's true. And Hashem is able to break through all kinds of barriers, all difficulties. But Hashem himself writes in the Torah, he says, a, a person who is afraid and faint of heart should go home when it comes out to war. So they make the announcement over there, if you're afraid and you're faint of heart, go back home. So the person says, because if you're going to win a battle, you have to go with certainty, with strength, and with certainty that you're going to be successful. If you're going to go to war, you're going to say, maybe I'm going to lose, and maybe I'm going to lose, you're not going to do it. So the Torah says, if you're faint of heart, go back home. So, you're going to say, since I'm what kind of the guy who's faint of heart, because, you know, every here and there I have questions, am I really, am I going to do so? Torah tells me, go back home. Don't fight, don't make it Yisrael. Don't, don't take that job. That's the Yitzhara telling you. So this is the instruction from Kolev teaches us. Kolev himself was actually worried. What was he worried? He was worried that he's going to fall into the trap of all the rest of the spies. He was worried that he might get dragged along with them. But yet, so what did Kolev do? If Kolev was afraid, he should have said, I'm staying home. I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not going because, you know what? I may get caught up. No, he didn't say it. But what he did was, he went and prayed on the grave of our forefathers, which means he worked very hard with himself and he sort of broke through and he impacted that not only did he not become dragged down that he was saved from the bad advice of the scouters, but he was actually able to quiet them all down. He was able to shut them all, 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 all up. He turned around that even the miraculous, even the people, the opponents, that they have to listen to him and they will say, yes, we can go up. We can do the impossible. And when you conduct yourself with that type of conduct, not to become impacted from no difficulties. You don't consider any sort of uh, calculations and things, how you're going to do. So then you're able to make everything Eretz Yisrael spiritually for the coming of Mashiach Tzidkei Amen. Think powerful words in the Rebbe and everything else. But how come Yoshua follows Moshe and not Kalev? You know, I guess, I mean, there was one thing. You know, some people are privileged people. Yeshua was a privileged person. He lived with Moshe all the time. Kolev was one of the masses. I mean, he's, Wasn't he the leader of Miriam? Yeah, yeah, he was uh, married yeah, to uh, Miriam. But I'm saying he was, Yeshua was a servant of Moshe Rabbeinu. And he ended up leading the Jewish people. So he got the blessing, sort of, you know. Kolev needed to work uh, hard because he didn't have all those uh, privileges. He didn't have all those... Uh, well, maybe that's why Yeshua could not relate to the people as much as our Kolev could relate to the people. Yeah. Mm. And he was able to break them through. I mean, break through them. 
So I'll tell you, the Rebbe starts off these, this talk with a lot more questions on the Rashi's, which all are answered interestingly, because when you read in the simple text, you know, you get you know, uh, various different, difficult, uh, you know, questions on why Rashi says what he says. But I didn't go through all of them, but the, the basic punchline of the Rebbe's over here is that uh, Yeshua respond, uh, responded to the specific arguments that they argued, and that was his answer to them, and, and also that, therefore, when he says we will go up, he was actually coming to say something new, that we can do the impossible, basically, and, and nothing can really stop us, and, uh, and we'll be successful. And I guess if we take that message, internalize it, then we can be successful, yeah? Slav and Man are two different things? Yes. The, actually, there is a machlokas in Tosfus, and, 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 and Tosfus brings down whether this love was only a one-time thing, uh, they, they asked, or it kept on going all the 40 years or not, but mm. uh, that's another question. But uh, generally, in the Chumash, it's only mentioned about it at a specific oh, yeah. period of time. That's the quail that they got, yeah. The, the, the bird. And that's where Moshe Rabbeinu sort of, uh, we read in last week's okay. Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu sort of, you know, a little uh, faltered, to say, mm-hmm. because he says, how can Hashem feed all the Hashem said, uh, mm-hmm. and Hashem said to him, Hashem's hand will be short, and, you know, <laughs> and Hashem can, 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 but, 